Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode, we have Netflix 152nd film. It's the 2019 rom-com The Last Summer. Directed by William Vinley, it stars KJ Aper, Maya Mitchell, Jacob Lattimore, Helston Stage and Tyler Posey. I am Jesse and I am here with MJ. How are you today? I'm very, very well. How are you, mate? Good. I mean, I think we've mentioned this uh, many times before. We're still in lockdown um, in our part of Australia. Um, so still doing these uh, podcasts remotely, but it's nice to see a familiar face because um, we can see each other, which is nice. It's <laughs> very true because lockdown consists of not being able to basically see anybody. The only way you can possibly see someone is if you exercise with someone outside or you bump into them at the supermarket. That's literally the only way we can see people. So um it's pretty grim and I don't think we're coming out of it anytime soon, Jesse. No, I, I um, went to the bottle shop during a lunch break the other day and I happened to come across a colleague and I was like, oh, fancy <laughs> <laughs> this is This is our nightly um, supplements to keep us going. So, um, yeah, that's the, yeah, the only way that you can really see anyone is like you mentioned, bump or, or do some exercise. So, um, yeah, let's let's get into this podcast though because we're talking about the last summer. Uh, we start our show off with our fast flicks, our quick summary of what it's all about. So what is the last summer about? I don't know how else to do a fast flick for this movie without basically just saying a group of teenagers who have just finished high school navigate their way through the final summer before starting college. I don't know. I, I tried to think of a way to say it differently, but it just it just picks it up perfectly. Uh, very. I've got pretty much exactly the same. Just, <laughs> it's a bunch of kids that want to live it up before they turn into adults and go to college. <laughs> mm, that's, um, that's it. We'll probably put a spoiler alert out now to say that uh, we're probably going to ruin this film. So if you want to uh, check the last summer out, if you haven't seen it and you, you wouldn't mind uh, watching it before uh, listening to us, do so now. Um, give us a pause and come back because we're going to get into the, the, the nitty gritty where we talk about how this film was uh, or got to Netflix. And I'm sure MJ's got some really good information on this. <laughs> yeah, well, this is probably not really spoiler filled, this part of it. <laughs> Because I couldn't find too much. I couldn't find too much. But we will, we, I will spoil it later on. Um, look, I mean, this is I, look from what I can gather. The script was in the works for a while with uh, with the Binley brothers, William and Scott. But all I can really find is, um, and when I say a while, I mean a few years. January 2018 is when it was sort of announced that this this film was getting made, uh, directed by William Binley, screenplay from his brother Scott. Um, it was announced at that point that KJ Aper would star in the film, who I've since realised is in the TV show Riverdale, which is quite big, which I've never seen. Um, so at the time, they were planning on having principal production underway at the end of April that same year. As it turned out, principal production commenced in May, so they were pretty much bang on there. The movie was filmed in Cleveland, Ohio, which... Disappointed I didn't know that going into it because I visited Cleveland uh, a year and a half ago. And yeah, I would have liked to have watched it a little bit and tried to see if there were some locations that I actually recognized. But mind you, it was cold as ass when I was there. It was, <laughs> it was like snowing and I was just trying to stay inside. From what I could see, I think it was only like the skate park scenes. <laughs> True, but there, was, there were scenes on like the, the water because there's obviously that big lake in Cleveland, which is really nice. Um, so th there was obviously a few things there, but you're right, a lot of it was interior scenes in this film. Wasn't that Chicago, um, the lake? Oh, yeah, because it was... Yeah, it's in Chicago. I'm pretty sure that was all in and around Chicago. <laughs> Did they actually do it in Chicago? Because IMDb said that it was filmed in Cleveland. Yeah, it didn't I think... Chicago at all. I think that bike ride 
from what I could see or what I read was in and around Chicago, maybe. I don't know. Maybe we've seen different things. It um, would make sense because obviously the Cubs and they're at – Yeah, that no, was, I'm sure. assuming, their ground. Yeah. Yep. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's tricky though because yeah i think that there were probably some other scenes that were in, um, in cleveland as well but i think they did try to give off a very uh, chicago vibe throughout the film yeah yeah well i also didn't visit any skate parks in cleveland but i wouldn't but yeah basically in june so obviously once they just commenced principal photography in june it was announced that netflix had acquired the worldwide rights to the film and and then it was released basically a year later, May May the third, twenty nineteen. So, um, not a very exciting story. Um, obviously, they got people together to make a film. They started making the film. Netflix said, "Yep, we'll have it," and then they released it. Done. Yep, I, I think that you've covered that very nicely. Um, the the tagline for this one was "Your real life is about to begin," and I thought I was just thought that was one of the most cringeworthy uh, taglines I've seen on a film in a while. Um, but I guess if you're in that age bracket, then it might um, resonate a little bit. The, the, the title for this one, um, I could only find a couple of weird ones uh, around the world. I thought that um, Japan's one was a bit of a highlight where it's called Last Summer Before This Summer. <laughs> so I thought mm. that, was a, that was a very interesting one. Um, and then one. Poland. This one was a little bit deceiving because um, <laughs> it's called Last Holiday. Um, and I'm not sure, I know that, you know, summer break sometimes is called holidays, but it sort of deceives um, a little bit that... Um, School holidays. Yeah, and, and they, these guys didn't go on a holiday. Um, so anyway, that's, <laughs> that's where we're they at. They might have gone that. to Cleveland to do some skating, though. <laughs> True. Um, this this one's actually, we, we do do our shows based on... Uh, there's a big list online of these Netflix original films, and this one's actually been taken off that list. Um, so I before I, I was getting stressed out a couple of weeks before we did this episode, and I was thinking, okay, do we need to take it off? Do we need to take it off? But there is no documentation anywhere that this is accessible anywhere other than Netflix everywhere in the world. Um, so I'm not sure why someone's decided to take it. It's on Wikipedia, this list, so anyone can go in and, and play around with it. But I think mm. that this is a very uh, very Netflix film, uh, 100%. The, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I don't think there's any arguments there. The, the only other thing was, um, there's a bit of fanfare afterwards where a lot of people started posting stuff online, uh, saying, you know, there's a sequel for this that's being filmed in secret. Um, <laughs> and it sort of came to fruition that, um, this is just a bunch of fan kids posting, um, stories making up absolute rubbish. There's, there's no, no sequel in the works at all at the moment. <laughs> how does this movie, how does this movie have a group of fans who are already petitioning for a sequel? There were, and there were multiple like enter- entertainment websites that had, had posted articles saying, yeah, this, oh, no. is, this is being filmed. Um, so that was a journalism a of, these days. Yeah. They don't need much to go. <laughs> bit of a letdown for um, some of the fans of this one. Uh, the other thing for this one, I guess, is it, it was nominated for three awards at the Teen Choice Awards in 2019. Um, so it was nominated for the Choice Summer Movie Award, the Choice Summer Actor Award for KJ Aper, who plays Griffin. He's a Kiwi. Um and then for the choice summer movie actress for Maya Mitchell, who's played Phoebe, who's an Aussie. So we've got an Aussie and a Kiwi who are both nominated. And the interesting thing, and I, I looked a little bit further, all three of these awards were lost to um, Spider-Man Far From Home. So lost the film ah. to Spider-Man Far From Home, lost the actor to Tom Holland and lost the actress to Zendaya. So um, I yeah. think they were never really in the hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, you said Maya Mitchell's Australian. Have you ever heard of it? I hadn't heard of it. She was in Team Beach uh, as a Team Beach movie. She was in one of the Disney Channel movies that I I, uh, I used to after High School Musical. I used to try and check out all the um, 
the the Disney Channel original films, and um, I'm pretty sure it was Teen Beach movie she was in. Yeah, um, good on so, she, oh, so she hasn't done much in Australia that we would know of. No, nah, and she does a lot of voiceover for animation too. Um, okay. so the, um, she's the voice of one of the um, cubs in the the Lion Guard, which is like a spin off of the Lion King. Um, right. Yeah. So little bits and pieces there, but has done a fair bit of work for Disney. All right. Well, we love Aussies doing well. We do. Um, I had a percentage match for this one. It's been a while. Been a while. Oh, I have not. I, did, I just thought they just stopped doing them. Doing I it. haven't had one. For- for ages, I got seventy five percent, which uh, for a rom com for me, I thought was pretty high, um, and I'm not sure how they they came up with that, but um, I was very interested, very very interested. Um, I, I I think that this this podcast has made me realise that you you may be impartial to the odd rom com rom com. If they're done well, then yeah, I I, I think you might be right. Um, <laughs> if the movie's good, I like. It. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not- just if it's rubbish, I'm going to think it's rubbish. <laughs> let's let's have a talk about the consensus for this one. What, what have you got from uh, online from critics and and people abroad? Well, I'll start with IMDb. The rating on IMDb because it's probably the one that uh, Netflix and the Winley brother, the, sorry, the Binley brothers will be happy with. Um, Five point six out of ten. Not great, but not bad. Five point six out of ten. Twelve thousand ratings. Yep, we'll, we'll take it. Serviceable. It gets a bit downhill from there so the letterbox community did not like it it's a two out of five there so that extrapolates to a four out of ten as you can see how far off imdb it is and that's again around twelve thousand ratings um but not 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 a bad amount of people have rated it so there's numbers there there's eyeballs there people have watched it but a letterbox crew didn't like it and i think that might be reflected elsewhere yeah, I think you're, you're bang on there with Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it sits at a pretty uh, rotten 29%. Now, that's only on seven critic reviews, though. Um, but the audience sort of agreed there with the critics and had it at 28% on over 50 reviews. So uh, much more on that lower end than what IMDb is uh, giving us, I guess. I thought that the, the, the ratings on IMDb and Letterboxd bang on pretty much exactly the same amount of people, which doesn't happen very often. Mm. Um, it's usually some no, sort of right. um, disparity, but yeah, very, very close. So that can lead us into our early thoughts. What What are your thoughts on this film? <laughs> Before I do, can I request that every episode that you give us the tagline of the movie? I enjoyed that. <laughs> okay, um, sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually generally, I'm generally quite a fan of taglines. I think they're kind of fun and, um, I think it will, I think it'll be a nice thing to bring to it. Obviously, every time you hear a tagline, oh, of course that's a tagline. But still, I think we should do that. Bring it to the podcast. I've um, I've been I've just recently been going through Binge, which is a an online streaming service we've got in Australia, um, and with their films, they put the they actually put the IMDb rating on the film as well as a tagline. Um, and some of the taglines on Binge are hilarious. Um, if there's any Australian listeners that want to look at the taglines that they put with the film, are uh, very funny. Sorry. Uh, is it, is it not the film's tagline or are they making their <laughs> no, they own make their own ones up <laughs> <laughs> some very funny one-liners there um anyway hit us up with your early thoughts yes sorry back to the last summer so i actually i like the premise of this i think it's i think it's a really interesting journey into teenagers who are going through a real transition phase of their lives and some things feel really important but they actually aren't and some things feel really important but they are and the decisions that they make can alter the trajectory of their journey or they can have no impact at all. But during this time, everything feels real and everything feels adult. And it's also this time that's full of possibilities. And I don't know how well this notion actually translated into a feature length film. I think some bits worked. I think ultimately I felt as if we never really ended anyone's story and that's okay, but the journey itself wasn't overly inspiring for anyone. And I, I liked the characters enough 
and I liked the charm of the film, but it definitely left me feeling pretty stranded by the end of it. Yeah, I, I think they're, they're good points that you make. Uh, and that probably leads to my th- thoughts as well, where the start of this really grinded my gears. I'm, I'm doing a little bit of a Peter Griffin um, segment here <laughs> because there were way too many characters um, and you couldn't work, like to start off with, I, I don't want to have to concentrate so hard on a film to work out who comes into where or who's who and how they all fit in. And I think that to start a film off like that, and I know if you've got that many characters, you want to try and introduce them all really quickly, but it sort of sets up that idea too, that you do have too many loose ends to try and tie up at the end and too many little minor parts that probably uh, if we focus more on a couple of the the major characters, it, it probably could have been done a bit better. Um, but towards the back end, I, I sort of dug it and, um, you know, one of the better teen films that we've probably done on Netflix and, and maybe that's the performances, but yeah, I, I, I didn't actually hate it. Mm, you're hundred percent right. Um, and again, the idea of introducing all of these characters is because you want to introduce diversity to what people are actually interested in doing with their summer and what is important to them. And, and I think that's, that's great, but, <laughs> but it, it, by the end of it, you, you almost have to pick and choose an audience whether you actually invested in this story or not um for, for particular different stories and even just looking at i if you look at wikipedia it's got the plot and it's actually broken down the plot as these characters story these characters story these and it's it's like three three scrolls down the screen to read the whole plot of the story because there's just so much happening so you are 100 percent right and actually that's probably going to lead us into characters and yeah, I, I was going to say exact same thing because you almost need to bunch the characters together when you talk about them a little bit at times. Yeah, and and some of them uh, you just can't really comment on that much because we just don't know them. Anyway, let's let's go into and I want we'll talk about obviously the the Griffin and Phoebe story first because that's that's the story that gets probably the most airtime and that's the story personally that I probably connect with the most and I I reckon I I felt like I really connected with Griffin specifically. Um, it was a bit. He was a bit wienerish, despite the fact that he looked like an out-and-out jock, which <laughs> didn't really work for me there. But he was very in touch with his emotions. He generally had this great moral compass, and I think I just agreed on his perceptions of right and wrong. And he also backed himself in without being too egocentric about it. He was just a really good dude, and I just really liked him. Yeah, I I think you've you've said that really well because to me this this should have been his film. Like you start off with a voiceover from him, and you know you get that idea of his his aspirations to to work in the music industry, and and I liked that um, back and forward between his dad, and that was that that main crux of his um, things that he need to contemplate throughout this film where these complications with him working out that his dad's not being faithful and that awkward situation that it puts him in. Um, and mm. I did like that, that follow through where he's trying to step away from these expectations of his dad, because he doesn't want to be seen as being like him. So I think, like you said, I, I think I probably connected with him the most as well. Mm. Yeah. Good call. And, and, and look similar with Phoebe. I, I liked her too, probably in a similar vein to Griffin, but less, she's obviously less confident and more driven and probably a little bit more complicated. And as I said, this this couple or this relationship was probably the element of the film that I connected with the most. And it's probably the most typical and cliche romance movie style relationship in the um in the whole film where it's like the girl, you know, I've got other things to focus on. I can't fall in love with someone, fall in love anyway, find out that there's a problem, they have a big issue and they come together in the end. It's it's as stereotypical as it comes, but both characters and and I guess their their morals and their perceptions 
were really nice and really relatable and worked really well. Yep, I, I agree. Um, I think that sort of like we mentioned too, and, and she makes it's pretty explicit that she's got this idea that she sees herself as an observer and 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 has been let down by a lot of of men in her life. So to see um, Griffin break through and and the the consistency and um, I mean he wasn't too annoying about it, but it was nice to see him you know mm. be able to break that down a little bit and and sort of support her and give her that confidence in in her lifestyle choice where she you know she wants to be a filmmaker and, and I, I enjoyed the the supporting moments of him you know pumping her tires up a little bit and, and giving her that confidence that you know you, you sort of see that she was lacking from um, at the start. Mm. God, he was he was great for her, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He's very good. All right, who you got next? Well, this is where it gets murky because I've got <laughs> Alec next, played by Jacob Lattimore, and he arguably is probably the next gets the next most screen time, um, or his story is probably the next most focused on. And I don't think we even really get close to a three sixty view of this character because he, he's kind of there to tell that story about the difficulties of dating and the decisions that you make as a teenager and how they're going to impact everything else. But now here's this guy who runs his own business right out of high school doing driveways and to me that's the story that i want to hear about like how's this guy doing this what what an absolute champion earning earning a big crust of money over summer with a skill that you'd have to learn i know there's a lot of manual labor to it but good on him um but all we hear about is is i i I get the story side of it because it's you know what do we do should we do the right thing and not string this out or you know if we care for each other what do we do and i like that that tough decision that he has to make and i guess he finds out the hard way that you know he probably made the wrong decision and how it turns out in the end. But I don't know. I just don't know enough about him. Yeah. I, I, this is where I did my first lumping where I just lumped him and Aaron together. And it, I just literally broke them down as that, that stereotypical couple, stereotypical couple that break up, both end up with different people and realize, you know, oh, well, maybe we should give it another shot together. Um, and, you know, then in those breakups, you know, you see her go off with a jock and you see him go off with a, a, a bimbo almost. So, you know, you sort of see that. And I think they make mention at the end that, you know, they, they need a little bit of a connection on that, um, the, the mental side as well. So, uh, yeah, there, there wasn't really a lot there that you could, <laughs> they were just these side characters. That's all they really were. But with all that said, like, I actually found the whole Erin, I didn't like her breaking up with Ricky, the the rookie <laughs> baseball player, because he was he was awesome. He was charming. He was romantic. He had his head screwed on. Like, he wasn't, he was there to, obviously, baseball was a, was a real career for him, and he was working hard at it, and he wasn't, you know, the, the typical jock um, baseball player. But I, I was actually watching thinking, how are they gonna how are they gonna end this? Because I kind of I think any sort of one who's just mindlessly watching this film is connecting with Ricky and thinking he's a good dude. And I know that she's gonna have to end up with Alec in some way or another, because that's that's what this story is telling me. How are you gonna end this? And I yeah, I just I didn't like the way that they ended that. And I think yeah. maybe they if they had more time to do it, they could have done it differently. But yeah, it just felt like tacked on. Yeah, super, super quick rushed breakup that, oh, you sent you, you're seeing your ex, so I'm done with you, sort of thing. Yeah. And that, that's, yeah, all it was. That I, um, wasn't him. That wasn't the Ricky we knew. <laughs> it wasn't, was it? Um, I, I put Audrey, I, I needed to talk about Audrey um, now because apart from Griffin and Phoebe, her, her standalone story, I, I really enjoyed. And through this kid, um, Lila, that she was babysitting, 
I thought that it was a really good way of showing her understanding the clarity that she needed to move forward in her life and, and realizing, and the kid said it multiple times, but realizing you, you shouldn't just settle. You shouldn't just settle for, for what you're expected to do, um, do what you want to do. And, um, you know, she, she was this, again, we're looking at these stereotypes, but she was different to the others in that, you know, we, we have these scenes with her mother, you know, passed out on the couch and um, not having the the money and the finances that a lot of them have. But I liked her understanding towards the end that, you know, she's going to be fine um, to make her own choices. And yeah, I think that that was a, a good character, not, ne- not necessarily the, the, the relationships or the connections with the other characters. They could have done this in a better way, I think. And I'll probably mention that later, but um, yeah, I, I did enjoy her character. I agree. I, hers was a really nice story. And again, it fits in perfectly with the idea of telling different stories. Um, and I like that they go down this angle. You know, here's a girl who needs money. That's why she wants to work. College may not be the route for her. And she's going through this discovery phase of finding out what's going to satisfy her muse. Um, and I think that's a really important story to tell. If you're aiming this movie at teenagers, they need to understand that that's a, that's a real option for them. And that's a real thing that they might be going through in their summer. Um, so I think that worked pretty well too. She kind of was really prominent in the start of the film. And I kind of was toying whether she was like the main character apart from uh, other than the Griffin story. And then she just disappeared throughout the middle of the film and then came back hard at the end. But um, yeah, it was, it was an important story. Who else do you want to talk about? I just want to circle back to Foster, who was Alex's mate. And I just... This could be a controversial um, perspective, but I, I felt bad for him almost the entire film. Like he, he made this list that was more of a fairy tale than anything else. Like he, he had a list of girls he wanted to sleep with that included like married celebrities on it. Uh, and the fact that he got outed for people discovering this list just felt bizarre to me. Like his, his ego was this purely on the surface and whilst he had this confidence to him he had this sensitive side and he knew what he wanted and he was a really good mate and i I just think like this story never really they never really did enough to make it work because they wanted they obviously wanted this side like my summer i want to get laid that's what i want to do this summer fine have that story in it but i think they just completely got confused with how they wanted this character to be because they wanted him to be a decent guy despite the fact that he had these you know, desires to sleep with all the girls. Um, and and then they kind of humanized him too much to make the make the whole, like, let's make him feel bad for doing this. And I'm like, what did he actually do? Like, I don't know. It's just, it didn't, I, I liked the guy and it just kind of felt weird what they were trying to do with this character. I've got a real easy solution. Take that character out of the film. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it just wasn't needed. Like, yeah, I get that you want to have that stereotype of the one that wants to, you know, pop yeah. the cherry over summer but you, you can get rid of him um and it doesn't yeah it doesn't take away from too. the film um and then chad and reese <laughs> i just uh the i kept referring to them as the losers throughout my notes i was just like the losers the losers there wasn't yeah. too much difference between the two um to be honest i mean i think chad probably got a little bit more screen time um to sort of highlight the, and the the same thing was happening with reese anyway so you didn't need to hear it from both of them but again these are two characters that did we really need their story? Like young guys banging older women. That's it. I mean, like their story was fine to show a different side of how people might want to use their summer and what's important to them. But apart from some comic relief from time to time, I didn't ever really buy into it enough to care. Like when they came on screen, I was like, ah, cool. I can sort of switch off a little bit with these guys and I might have a laugh here or there, but you know what they wanted, they found out that they could 
drink beers without getting ID'd. Great. That, that was what they wanted to do in the summer. Cool. And then, yeah, we're in a story where it's there's enough going on anyway. You, yeah. I mean, you talk about leaving things out. This this definitely could have been cut out because they didn't even interact with the other characters. Like it was. Yeah. I guess it's a positive that they're getting out of the basement from playing video games and, and getting outside. So that's that's the positive. We'll take from Any other uh, that Mason guy. Um, just a, another character that's just a waste of space. <laughs> seems seems incredibly successful. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he also doesn't seem like kind of guy Griffin would hang out with. But anyway, yeah, good. I think that's it for characters. Um, oh mate, yeah, that's yeah. Cool. The the director William Bindley. Um, a couple of TV movies, a couple of TV episodes in the nineties. Uh, did a film called Madison in two thousand and one, um, which starred Jake Lloyd from the. Star oh, really? Wars prequels Star Wars. Um, and, and also a bit of producing work. So I did that Mother's Day uh, film that had all the different stories like the New Year's Eve one and or New Year's Day and what was the other one? Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the Nut Job, an animation um, film as well. So yeah, <laughs> well, he hadn't, work. hadn't directed a movie in 18 years, but obviously, as you said, was busy with producing duties. Um, an executive producer for Mother's Day. That's probably his, uh, his biggest feather in the cap for his career so far. Hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about some scenes. What are some ones that you didn't mind in this one? There was a line, and I'm just trying to remember. I'm pretty sure. So it was when they Griffin and Phoebe are at the might be Fourth of July. They sort of leave the Fourth of July shindig and go sit in the lake, the lake by themselves. And I think Griffin says it says I love you. I think it's him who says it first. Yeah, it is. Of course it is. And this movie had the best response to I love you for the first time where the other person didn't want to say I love you. Like it's always a really awkward thing and people could say I love you and not expect to hear it back and that's fine. And her response was I'm here, I'm right here. And I was thinking like that's a really nice way to respond to someone saying I love you when you're not ready to say it yourself because you're not you're not saying like thank you or like oh I'm not quite there yet. But you're saying like, hey, I'm I'm on this journey. I'm I'm here, and, and I think that should have been called out. So I've I've called it out. So well nice. done. Yeah, good point. Good, good piece of dialogue. <laughs> um, I really like the way that um, Griffin told off his dad when um, when he was down the the curb about obviously cheating on his mum, but he didn't overdo it, and he kept it really matter of fact, just to basically let him know, really be the bigger man and take the moral high ground. It would have been out of character for him to flip his lid a little bit. Um, and I think it probably had a lot more strength to it by doing it the way he did it. I thought it was really well handled. He didn't blackmail his dad or anything like that, but he just took complete control of the situation um, and really shut his dad down. And I like that because his dad didn't really get a chance to say anything because Griffin wasn't, wasn't going off at him. He basically just said, this is ridiculous what you've done. Good you know, point. Sort, sort yourself out. Um, I really like that. Good. And finally, I just, I got like the corny romantic inside me enjoyed the final skating scene with Phoebe wearing the beret. Predictable and lame, but it fed my soul. Uh, and I really liked these two characters. So I knew they were going to end up together, but seeing them together like that, uh, that's just what I needed before I flicked it off. Oh, nice. Nice little, um, yeah, nice little romantic moment. So good, good choice. Yeah. <laughs> I've um I got a few um I'll try and race through them through them as quickly as possible um I I love a sports scene so the MLB game between the Reds the Cubs I thought that was really cool guy flying over the fence 
chatting a girl up. I just thought that was a, a cool little um, little moment. The crowd in that scene that were like sitting around those girls were <laughs> awful. Those extras were absolutely <laughs> terrible. They were so aware that they were in a scene in the movie. It, it just drew me away. <laughs> I just have to say that. It's yeah, fair. <laughs> um, I thought that we I mentioned this foster guy that uh, you know probably wasn't needed, but one of the dates that he went on that super religious family uh, when he's sitting next to the younger brother and the brother's like you know you've got no shot, give up. She doesn't even kiss. I just had a laugh. I thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good little advice from a younger sibling. Um, I liked. There's a scene with Griffin and Phoebe where they leave the movies and um, they start talking about the Coen brothers. And just for us, I just thought that the mention of IMDb was cool where <laughs> um, she's like, I think she said, you're so full of it right now. Your IMDb app is literally exploding. And he's like, sorry, IMDb? <laughs> What's this you speak of? And I, thought was, I thought for us that was, I had, uh, that was cool. I had this in my questions for you, Jess, to oh, ask okay. whether you enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> that was cool. Um, I liked the Ferris Bueller sort of... Um, uh, homage that they sort of showed throughout Chicago um, with that bike ride scene just the it, it was trying to vibe off that so much and I, I, I enjoyed that I thought that was cool um, the dinner at the squ- at the baseball stadium behind the scoreboard I was like what a view beautiful view but also how the hell did he get all that food and all that stuff up there like <laughs> just a, a logical thing that um, blew my mind <laughs> Very, very impressive guy, that guy. Um, he's great. <laughs> no, just a one-liner from Alec uh, when he's talking about Paige and, you know, how he, he's not feeling it. And I think he said um, she has the IQ of a toaster. That was very funny. Uh, and then finally, this is one. This is probably the only sort of scene that sort of got me feeling a little bit where the reveal of the loser guys, um, Chad and Reese. And how the girls already knew that they were younger than they thought. And I just thought um, there was a sweet line along the lines of, you know, whoever said you, you're you not cool, they don't know you sort of thing. And I just, I just liked that. I thought that was a nice, nice little line um, from the the older, older lady. Um, mm, yeah. Good call. All right. What, what's something, some stuff you didn't like in this one? Uh, I didn't like initially when, um, when Alec and Foster are chatting and he reveals that he's never slept with anyone. How, how does his best mate not know that? <laughs> that didn't that didn't work for me. It felt it felt weird. So, um, and the only other thing I've got is, as I said before, when Foster got called out for his list, when she was just like, "And I look at this list; it's gone viral. Everyone's looked at." It. I'm like, "What the hell? Like, this is just a stupid list. Why is he such a joke for it?" So, yeah, I guess some of the Foster stuff. I, I think I said it when I talked to the character, which is all over the place. Um, yep. So yeah, that was the two things I didn't like. Good. Uh, like I mentioned at the start, anything with Mason in it, hated it because <laughs> he's not needed. Um, <laughs> the, I think that it really sort of, oh, I was a bit cringy where Griffin and, and Phoebe, and they do it at the beginning and at the end where they start reeling off all the alumni from the colleges or the schools that they're going to. I was like, didn't like, mm, didn't like it. Thought it was rubbish. Okay. Um, no one really cares. Like just, just, Keep talking to each other. Um, <laughs> and this is one of my pet aids. Griffin's on that train and he's doing that, you know, you know uh, everyone's had those moments where he's texting and he's like, oh, there's no response. I'm really freaking out. And then it just sort of turned into like a bit of a, like a one of those musicals that they just start breaking out into some random thing where he's walking down the aisle and everyone's looking at him and we're getting the text messages on the screen. And that was just an overload for me of um, awkwardness. <laughs> I really liked that scene until he went all weird about it and started drawing in the entire train. Yeah. Like how how relatable is that scene when he's sitting there and just sweating on it? He's like, oh, why did I say that? What have I done? What have I done? Like that was great. Yeah, I thought well, that was yeah. almost 
And then he just started like, oh, she replied. Like, what have I done? Like, I was all this sort of stuff. Like, no, you ruined it. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> the barbecue off. Just the, the idea of it like a Western shootout, like this standoff. It was lame. And then to follow up with that, after they finished the meal and he can't open the hand wipe wrapper and she makes a comment about like, is this what you like with condom wrappers? So I was just like, uh, yeah, nah. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Two things with that. A, you certainly made me feel like American barbecue, but B, it's like the last time you want to hook up when you're completely full of meat. <laughs> like, all right, <laughs> let's, let's jump into it. Exactly. Um, the, there's it Lila's mum, this little um, girl that Audrey's looking after. There's like a scene where mm. she's like screams and gets her attention because she's got 16 candles on the screen. And, you know, she's like, oh, I was, a, I was an extra in there. And I, I was like, damn, this doesn't make sense. I was like, is she, was she like this would be cool? This is a cool reference yeah. if she was in Sixteen Candles. But I looked her up. Like I don't even think she was born when Sixteen Candles came out. Like it just it was just a horrible reference. Um, fair, <laughs> yeah, really bad. Um, last one too. That scene that you mentioned where um, it was like the Fourth of July party and they're talking about I love you sort of thing. I think uh, one of the lines after that happened was Griffin says called her a sex goddess. <laughs> and I just thought, oh god, cringeworthy. You don't call, you don't say that like out loud. Who put that <laughs> in the in the script? Come on, like that's not dialogue that people actually say. <laughs> yeah, they they used up all their dialogue prowess in it beforehand. Yeah. Uh, good. All right. Well, what are some themes or some ideas in this one? Yes, so it's all about making those big adult decisions, and those decisions about love and about work and about. School. And why those decisions can matter, but why they also don't have to matter, and why it might be just as important for someone to figure out that they can drink in a bar without getting ID'd as it is for someone to realise that maybe we should break up this summer because it's going to be too hard to do it later on. They're they're the things that are going on in in people's minds during this part of their life, um, and then that kind of ties nicely into the the idea of and this this film does it a lot the idea of right and wrong and that really murky gray area in between all of it, you know, Griffin with his dad's secret, like what do you do with that information? Did he make the wrong decision? Did he, I don't even know because it's just so, it's so not clear cut what you should do. And then life is basically like that. And that's the same again with Alec and Aaron breaking up. There's no right or wrong way to do this, but shit, you've got to make a decision at some point. And that's, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Excellent points. Um, yeah. The, the same sort of things, that idea of growing up and moving on with life, enjoying those moments, not caring, um, that, that idea to have been successful a little bit in your own way. And we see that through Griffin. We see it through Audrey. You, you can be successful by doing it yourself. And, I mean, it's a rom-com, so you've got to have a little bit of that idea about love too because a lot of this is about is that love, can, can that love last? Can can it continue on once you do become an adult or once you do mm. move on to your college? Um, yeah, nice. All right, well, mm. what did you take away from this one? Well, I reckon we're going to have similar ideas here, Jesse, but I, I, too often, as we sort of said, I felt like we just rushed through all these stories. And as I said, I, I really like the premise and, and I love that we're meeting different characters with varying summer motivations. Um, but most of the time, we rarely really get into that journey. Like, th- there's enough characters with semi-interesting stories to actually make this an actual 10-episode series type thing. Um, and if, if that series, I, I think initially I would like, I would love to keep it as 10 and just leave it there. But if it's popular, then maybe there is an avenue to visit them later on and see how they're going and whether their desires and their motivations and everything they learned in this summer is successful. But there was just too many characters and we just kind of rushed through it all a little bit. But I think the characters that we rushed through, there's still merit in them. And 
how it would have been so much nicer to spend more time with them, like like Chad and Reese and and like Foster, but even like figuring out Ricky and Erin and what they're going through before they break up and how that all plays out. I think if you give it the time, there was enough here to actually make it work. Yeah, excellent. Um, very similar thoughts, just different sort of way, um, rather than extending it, sort of compacting it a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Um, but the first thing is like that the guy that plays Griffin, um, he's a good looking dude. So I'm just want to put that out there. That was one takeaway I took. Um, but the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the focus, like you mentioned. So if I was uh, condensing this film, I'd be like, cool, let's make this film about Griffin and Phoebe. I put Audrey as Phoebe's best friend. So we still get her story. Then we're done where we've got this film um, and you get a nice compact little story and don't have to stress too much about everyone else. But I really like your idea of expanding it too. So mm. um, yeah, excellent. IMDb. So I, I understand. Awesome. I understand what they're trying to say. I understand mm. someone writing this film. Going, oh, we have to have this side. We have to have this side of it. So we're actually relating to everyone who's going through different things because Phoebe and Griffin is a great story and I, I enjoyed it. There's so many people that just won't even relate to that because that's not part of what they're trying to do or that's what they're not motivated by. So anyway, I like what they were doing. It just didn't quite work. Yeah. Um, I, be, I, you know, I looked up Ricky, who's played by Tyler Posey. Like, it's so familiar that I was expected to jump on there and be like, oh, that's what it was. The only thing I can think of is he's, he's from Jane the Virgin, which I've never watched, but my wife has watched it. So I've probably seen a little bit of it. But he's, he was he just so familiar. Is he Teen Wolf as well? Is that the guy from Teen Wolf? Uh, that rings a bell, but I've, again, I've not seen that either. Okay. Yeah. So, I, um, yeah. He's yeah. Very familiar. I went on twice. Um, nice. Because the the loser guy, Reese, I was like, that looks like that's the guy from Take the Ten, the film that we did a long, long, long time ago, um, right near the start, where you've got the two, the guy from um, uh, that TV show, Josh oh, and yeah, Drake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, yeah. that is so him. And I looked him up and I, bummed out because he was actually in Sierra Burgess as a loser. He was like the Rishi guy in that film. I was like, oh, okay. And I still, I didn't, I didn't feel, I was like, nah, this is not right. So I did a little bit more. It's, it's his brother is the guy from Take the Ten. So it's actually, <laughs> so it's actually his brother. Um, and I was like completely flabbergasted. I was like, okay, good. I, I was on the right track. So they're brothers. And I looked at two, they look so similar. So um, I'm going to pay myself that one. That was a good one. Um, That's a really good IMDb. The other one was Audrey. Um, I was like, as soon as she came on the screen, I was like, man, I'd know that face from somewhere. Um, and I'd recently watched Mayor of Easttown, the HBO show with Kate Winslet. And that's where she's from. She, she's the mother of Kate Winslet's grandchild. Um, big part in that show. Well, yeah, a decent part in that show. Um, I won't say too much about that in case people do want to watch Mayor of Easttown, but plays a lot older character in uh, Mayor of Easttown than she does in this. She actually did look older. I mean, she, she sorry, she did look familiar as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there was something else she was in that I'd seen her in too, um, but that was the big one that I was like, I oh, yeah, recency. That's the, that's where we go with that. Um, question time. Did you have any questions that you wanted to ask? Uh, obviously there was one that we already talked about, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I, I thought it was interesting, like, how does this, because I think this is the, the summer before college is a big thing in America, but how, how does this vary from Australia? Because I feel like the college experience is such a big move in the States and they often uproot their lives. And for us, the summer after high school, before we started uni, it was basically just a summer with some part-time work that sort of paid for our next night out. Nothing significant was changing or happening. It's kind of like a whole few years of uni that you sort of go through this, you know, 
part of your life where you're figuring out what to do. For for America, it's very different. Do you think this this is you know sort of strictly an American story and how it varies from Australia? Good question. Um, yeah, I mean, like trying to think back, it's been a while now since that. You know, and that's um, what you you pump up to kids as you say. You know, once you finish your your final school exams, you've got a four month, five month holiday where. You know, you can go away with your mates. You can, you know, most people have started to turn 18, which is the, you know, the mm. drinking age in Australia. So you can go out, you can party, have big long nights. But like you mentioned too, it does involve an awful lot of work because, you know, you're, you've got that freedom now to, to be able to work um, rather than have to study. And yeah, I think it, it probably is a little bit of a different sort of road um, because apart from Alec, we didn't really see many of these guys Oh, we saw the losers working at that yogurt mm. shop. But apart from that, I guess, yeah, and may, and that might lead in a little bit to one of my questions too. I think that apart from Audrey, they were a very privileged um, bunch of kids. Mm. Um, so maybe the, the the situation can be similar, but it just depends on that, that class or that lifestyle that you come from too. Yeah, but I guess also the idea of people moving away to go to college, yeah. whereas no one was going anywhere we're yeah. all going to hang out for the True. next few years anyway but I'm, I'm sure you can think of kids like that at that age that you're at that you, you know they went down the peninsula down the beach and they have these big mansions down portsy way and have these huge polo parties and all that sort of stuff too so maybe we just weren't a part of that um i gonna that, say that, i don't know anyone no. I, wish I, did. <laughs> <laughs> I never got invited anyway so um but yeah I, that, that can lead in because i i thought audrey as much as i liked her she felt very tokenistic and i know that we've talked about the stereotypes in this as well because everyone else in this was seemed really rich apart from alec who you know they had that scene where he was sort of looked down upon for being a tradie i guess um and you know griffin's got you know that some of that technical gear for his music he had in his room i was like wow and then you've got that fourth of july party with the the jet skis and the boats and just is yeah is um is the the class divide in this is this something that maybe there's a lot of people that won't connect with this. Yeah, potentially. I mean, like Phoebe was didn't have enough money to go to college, and that's why she was working on her film. And and I is I don't know. I think there's a little bit of maybe a little bit of that. I think it's very much a yeah, I guess a middle upper class suburban type setup, and probably not anyone really outside of that really fits in. There's yeah. certainly no real even Audrey is lower class doesn't even feel like the right fit i think she's probably still got a little bit more going for her mm. um yeah you're probably right yeah um and leading on to that too did the excessive underage drinking concern you in this because there's quite a lot of it <laughs> um oh, well the drinking age is 21 in america which is weird enough as is so mm. I, I like we don't i don't bat an eyelid when i see someone who's finished high school having a beer <laughs> yeah true fair point <laughs> <laughs> anything else you wanted to ask no, nah, that was it. Nah. All right. Well, uh, that gives us the, the chance to put this one all together and we come up with a rating out of five to give us a flicks for an average. What are your final thoughts, MJ? Well, I liked the charm of this movie and I like what it was trying to do, but it did fall flat in a lot of areas. Um, with that said, I connected with some themes and some characters and despite the whole narrative really failing to tie into itself, it still wasn't a terrible watch. So it's two and a half stars for me. Um, yeah, like I mentioned, really struggled at the start. About half hour ago, though, I was invested. And I think probably because these are probably some of the better performances in a young cast teen rom-com that maybe we've seen in, in some of these Netflix um, teen films that we've covered. Uh, give me a sequel with 
Griffin and, and Phoebe trying to do the relationship long distance um, without any of the others in it. And I'll probably jump on board as soon as that comes out and be like, cool, I really want to see where these guys go. So uh, I'm also giving it a two and a half. I like that. I like that assessment. And the, you're right, the, the performances were really good. Yeah, good. So we're on social media. We've got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Give us a follow. Um, we're counting down to Christmas at the moment um, for 2021 to try and bring some positivity to the world. Uh, question for this week, and you don't have to answer this one. This one's a bit of a tough one, but I was like, would you be able to tell one of your parents that the other one's being unfaithful? I, I think that is such a tough conundrum. Like, isn't it? Yeah. And I, you know, I, you wouldn't want to be put in that situation. So I think that the way they did in this film was really well done. Um, yeah. I mean, you'd like to, your first step would be telling the parent who has been unfaithful that you have to tell. To it, like, yeah. I, and I kind of, Griffin didn't really do that, did he? He sort of implied it, but, um, that would be the first way to go. And I know this sort of thing happens in, in movies and TV shows and whatnot. And it's like, no, I'm not going to. And it sort of the decision comes to you. But yeah. it's certainly when that happened in the film, I was like, God, give the guy a break. Like, how is he ever going to make this decision? Like, I know we've got a lot of other things to worry about here and you're throwing this on him. Like, yeah. it was all well and good for him to be, to be cheating on, not all well and good, but <laughs> cheating on his wife only to find out with his girlfriend's mum. I was like, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, Chicago's a real real slack. small city, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, uh, well, uh, we will be back for a, another Netflix original next week. We've got another 2019 comedy. This one, I, I remember when it came out, it's called Wine Country. And this one is Amy so, Poehler's uh, yeah. directing debut. Um, and she also stars in it with Maya Rudolph, Rachel Dratch, Anna Gatsia, Paula Powell, Emily Spivey, Jason, Jason Schwartzman, and Tina Fey, her um, longtime collaborator. Which will All right. Be yeah, I, do. I remember when this came out as well. And this is, again, at the point where I'm like, ah, oh, we've got the podcast. We'll be doing this one soon anyway. And that was like two years ago. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, yeah. From memory, I think that the target audience for this one might be uh, not what, not for us, but not we'll, we'll give we it a are. shot. No, no, exactly. Not what we are. Uh, We're not middle-aged. It hasn't stopped us before, Jesse. <laughs> it hasn't. So uh, we might come away enjoying it. Who knows? Absolutely. And thank you again. It's been, um, it's always good to see you. So uh, thank you. Right back at you, mate. We'll uh, we'll chat next week. Sounds good.